Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Israel Unplugged. This is Josh Wander from Yerushalayim, Ira HaKodesh, and we're here on a live show. I'm going to, I'm going to, usually I, I say this for the last, but I'm going to put it out there first because I want everybody to grab their pens and pencils uh, or whatever digital device that they have. There are people listening now from all over the world, United States, Israel, Canada, and other places which I didn't catch, but all over the world. And uh, I want to make sure that you get uh, to call in and speak to us because we want to speak to you. We we actually want to hear from you what is happening in whatever location that you're in so we can discuss uh, the current events and how it is affecting you today. Uh, our numbers, if you are outside of Israel, it's going to be United States 301-768-4841. That would be plus one three zero one seven six eight four eight four one. If you're here in Eretz Israel, then the number is zero two six five zero zero one five one zero two six five zero zero one five one. You are listening to Israel Unplugged, and this is where you get the unadulterated facts of where we're holding in the redemptive process, focusing primarily on the in-gathering of the exiles. I'm here with my co-host, Rabbi Moshe Lichtman of Beit Shemesh. Yes, and it's a pleasure and an honor to be here, and uh, especially this week, the week of Parshat Shalach, the week where we should only be talking about the importance of Israel to to counter the sin of the spies, and we'll get a lot, we'll get into that as we go on. Yes, there are many spies that are around today, living well around the world. Uh, and maybe even here in Israel, and uh, we can talk about that. I also want to encourage everyone to go to our websites, which uh, my website is bringthemhome.org.il or itstimetoleave.com. Uh, Rabbi Lichtman's uh, website is at toratzion.com, and uh, both of those are incredible resources for the uh, Zionist way and, uh, and all that we discuss is all on those websites, so we want to make sure that you go there. Please stick with us right after these messages. We're going to be right back with you. Hello, I am Walter Bingham. If you want to hear the news behind the news and the true perspective on world affairs, then The Walter Bingham File is the program for you. We bring you interviews with the movers and shakers, political commentaries, and on-the-spot reports of events as they happen. All here every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Israel Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's all archived on our website. Make it a date. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged, and uh, as we uh, promised uh, today, we're going to dedicate our words to the Parshat HaShavua, 
the uh, probably the most uh, relevant Parsha in our day and age, and the one that we need to learn most from. It's the Parsha of Shalach, and the first half of the Parsha talks about the sin of the spies. The sin of the spies, of course, is uh, basically the Jewish people of that generation rejecting the land of Israel. Um, as the verse in Tehillim says, Vayim asu chemda, referring to this sin, it says that they despised the desirable land. Um, but also, besides that, there's also famously the sin of slandering the land, right? The what's called in Hebrew, Lashon Hara. They spoke slanderous remarks about the land of Israel. They said uh, bad things about Israel. So there's a very famous Rashi at the beginning of the parsha, and uh, I want to discuss it for uh, for a minute. So Rashi says that the reason that the um, end of last week's parsha and the beginning of this week's parsha are juxtaposed, that is, the end of last week's parsha was the story of Miriam. Miriam and Aharon spoke lashon hara; they slandered Moshe to some small degree. And they got punished, or Miriam specifically got punished with uh, leprosy. And um, and then the beginning of this week's parsha is the story about the Lashon Hara, the slander against the land of Israel. And Rashi says the reason they're next to each other is because these Rishaim, these evil people, these ten of the twelve spies, they saw what happened to Miriam after she spoke. And and they didn't learn a lesson, and they went ahead and did the same the same thing. So the question could be asked: What is the comparison? What are you talking about when you speak about a person? So you hurt their feelings. They have they have feelings. So you said something bad about Moshe Rabbeinu, so it might hurt his feelings. It might make him feel bad, and people might will look down on him. But when it comes to the land, speaking about. Uh, an inanimate object like like dust and, and 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 earth, like why should why should the Miraglim have necessarily learned a lesson from Miriam? So there are there are several answers. I I, I give two of the answers in my book Eretz Yisrael and the Parsha, but I want to focus on the second answer, and that's the answer of the great Rav Yosher Salavechik the famous uh, Rav, the Rav, Rav Soloveitchik from Boston and Yeshiva University. Um, he he really uh, gets to the bottom of it, and he explains that it, what in essence was Miriam's mistake. Miriam, when she spoke to, about her brother Moshe, she failed to recognize Moshe Rabbeinu's segula quality. Segula means special, unique quality. Meaning, she she can she knew that you know she was a Nevi'ah, she was a prophetess. Aaron, her brother, was a prophet, and Moshe, her brother, was a prophet. Okay, maybe Moshe was a little bit, you know, greater than the other ones, but he was also a prophet just like we. And therefore, she couldn't understand why did Moshe separate from his wife when, you know, she didn't separate from her husband and Aaron didn't separate from his wife. So why should Moshe do that? And her mistake was not understanding that Moshe Rabbeinu was not just a Navi, you know, times, you know, times two. He's not just a greater Navi. He is a category in and of himself. He's a Sgula Navi. He is 
there was never, never has been, never will be. That's one of the 13 principles of faith, according to the Rambam, that there is, there never will be a prophet like Moshe Rabbeinu. He was on a different plane altogether. The actual words of the Torah, the, the main difference is that other Nevi'im, other prophets, they get, they get prophecy by way of uh, riddles and they, they see a picture, but they don't really understand that 100%. They have, to fig- they have to figure it out. It's all sort of garbled. But Moshe Rabbeinu saw what's called the Ispaklaria Hamira. Clearly, he got the clear message word for word from God. He was on a totally different plane, a totally different category of Nevoah. So that was her ma- major mistake. And that is, he really was correct to separate from his wife because God spoke to him at all times. I speak to him face to face. And therefore, that was Miriam's mistake. The same exact mistake is what the Maraglim made. Why? The Maraglim failed to recognize Eretz Yisrael's singular segula, singularity. It's segula, the same word, segula. It's uniqueness. It's not just Israel is a better place for the Jews. It's a place, it's like everyone else, and it's just better. No, Eretz Yisrael is on a totally different plane. It's a totally different category. Um, It's the land that Hashem's eyes are upon throughout the year, from beginning of the year to end of the year. And listen to the sentence Rav Soloveitchik says. Moshe Rabbeinu had told the spies to scout the land and seek out its special skula properties with an awareness of the great era that was about to unfold. What was so great about the era? You had a skula prophet, a unique prophet, Moshe Rabbeinu, leading a skula people, because we also, we're not just you know, a regular nation. We're just not. We're not just a better nation than other nations. We're a different category. You know, it reminds me of the famous, um, famous comment of the uh, of the Kuzari, who says, you know, there's four levels of 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 existence. There's there's inanimate objects. There's plant life. There's animal life, and then there's human life. And then says the Kuzari, and then there's Am Yisrael. We're on a different plane. So you had. A Segula prophet, a unique prophet, bringing the unique nation into the unique land. And therefore, they should have totally overlooked all the little small petty things. The fact that there were giants in the land. The fact that it was difficult. It was, you know, the people were dying left and right there. You know, they should have just said, who cares? I mean, we, we are so special. This is such a special moment in history. And that was what they should have learned from Miriam. That was Miriam's mistake, speaking about Moshe, not understanding that he's on a different plane. And they did the same thing with Eretz Yisrael. And I want to I want to just end this short this this thing with what I think we can learn in our generation. You know, we always say this show was about you know talking about the in gathering of the exiles and how special of a of a period of time we are living through living through we are living through the ultimate gula so we too must view eretz israel and current events in a different light we must recognize the uniqueness of the land and realize that we are living through very special times and even when things go wrong and cannot be ignored 
we must keep in mind that Eretz Yisrael is one of the gifts that Hashem gave us through suffering. We must avoid getting bogged down with the mundane as the spies did. We must look beyond the surface and be thankful that we live in a generation that is privileged to see so many of the prophecies of redemption unfold before its very eyes. We are also, like Rav Salavechik said about Moshe Rabbeinu's generation, we are a Sgula nation returning to its Sgula land after 2,000 years of exile. So how can we simply ignore this fact and continue to dwell on foreign soil just because it's easier to live there? That's what I think the, the, the message is of this Parsha. And I think that we have to we have to take this to heart and we have to understand. You know, people always ask me, what's the difference? Who cares? You know, why do you have to know? Why is it so important to determine, to claim that we are living through the Geula? Let's say we're not. Big deal. And this is exactly why. Because someone who recognized that we're living through the, the process of Geula is going to look at things much differently. He's going to understand that, forget about the little, the petty things. That's not important. What's important is the big picture. The big picture is that we are returning home. Half the Jewish people live in Eretz Yisrael. It's time to come home. It's time to rectify the sin of the spies and no longer be like the spies and realize that we are living through special times. Josh. Yes, in, in several weeks we're going to dis, we're going to talk in the Torah portion about the demise of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu and how he passed away. But beforehand, he attempted uh, 515 times uh, to pray and beseech Hashem that he should be worthy to merit to go into the land, even just just for a second, just a step in the land. The, the Medrash describes that he should he, even to go. Not even as a human being, he should, he, should, he, could, he could be transformed into a bird and fly over the land. He just wanted to experience that Moshe, in what you're describing as being on a on a different plane, also understood that Eretz Yisrael was on a different plane. And if we can understand, if we can try to incorporate that into our lives, in the days that we're living in, that Eretz Yisrael, we mentioned it last week. I still am, am, am blown away by the story of Rabbi Nevinsal who used to buy, when he used to leave the country, used to, on a trip, he would he would buy the, the plane ticket all the way in the back of the plane when he would leave and all the way in the front of the plane when he would come back to make sure that he was the last one to leave Israel and the first one to come back to Israel because he realized the incredible qualities that they're in and, and, and what, what it means to be here even for a millisecond. So if we understood, if Jews understood around the world how great it is to be here, both on a spiritual level and a physical level. And, and that, that's much debated because there are many people that say, oh, okay, maybe, maybe it could be spiritually higher over there, but we have to sacrifice so much, so much of our, of our, of our comforts in, 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 the, in Chutzlars that we're going to discuss also when we get back because I think that that is one of the main points that holds people back thinking that they're going to have to sacrifice all of their comforts. And in fact... I think it's quite the opposite. Let's discuss it right after these messages. Hi, 
everyone. This is Andrea Semento from Jerusalem inviting you to drop everything and join me on my show, Pull Up a Chair. We'll visit this week's quirky stories, meet fabulous guests, and discover my Israel. Together we'll laugh, shout, and explain the topics that make us say, hey, we've got to talk about that. So get comfortable and pull up a chair with me, Andrea Simento, every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back. So as we were discussing before the, before the messages, we were talking about the fact that Eretz Israel is Eretz Chobad, that we have everything here. And people mistakenly have the misconception that they will have to sacrifice so much to live here. And it's true. It's true that it says that one of the three great presents that was given to the Jewish people is Eretz Yisrael, and then it's only acquired through hardships. That That is true. But those hardships don't necessarily mean a sacrifice. In fact, quite the opposite. I would I would posit that, these, that the sacrifices you make are actually is what makes it so great, makes you really, just like when you sacrifice for any commitment, when you sacrifice for a marriage, when you sacrifice for a job, when you sacrifice for... Whatever you're saying, when you put effort into it, then then it's worth that much more. And if you don't put effort into it, if something just comes to you because you just inherited it and you didn't do any, didn't work at all for it, then it really doesn't have the same meaning. And that's actually the whole meaning of the purpose of us in this world. The purpose of us in the world is that Hashem could just give us olam haba, he could just give us the next world, he could just give us, right, we know that the, that the purpose of the world is lehitiv, is to get to, that God is complete uh, good, and he wants to, to, to bestow that good on, on the world. So in order to do that, he puts us in a situation that he can bestow us this good. But all you're going to ask that there's a lot of bad in the world also, that's because he understands, and we, and we have to understand that in really, in order to really appreciate the good that he's giving us, we have to work at it and deserve it. And that's why we are given free will. That's why we're given the option of choosing good or bad. Because if we, if we work for it, if we're working and doing the right thing, even if it seems temporarily uh, to be uncomfortable, in the end, that is something which we are going to appreciate so much more. And it's the same thing with Eretz Yisrael. People that come to Eretz Yisrael, I don't know if I mentioned it last week. I, I met a young couple um, when I was in Switzerland a couple weeks ago. Did I mention this story? I don't think so. I met a young couple, and they just got married two weeks before from England. And they were on their honeymoon in Switzerland. And I was speaking to them, and I was saying to them, you know, you know, when you, when you, you know this is the perfect time. I think that when a person gets married... When a person is even single, that, that, that these are times when it's the easiest to move here. You know, when you, once you get married and you have kids and you have a job and you have a house and you have all these different ties, it's a lot harder to disconnect. But when you're just starting off, that's the easiest time. I said, as a new couple, this is a perfect time. And they answered that they're actually coming to Israel. And I, I, was, I, was, I was amazed. I was so excited. I said, really? I said, you're coming to Israel? They said, yeah, we're going to come for a year to Israel to try it out. So I said to them, I sat them down and I said to them, I have some advice for you. I have some marriage advice for you. 
I've only been married 25 years, but I have, I have some marriage advice for you. And I have also some Eretz Yisrael advice for you. It's the same advice. My advice is that if you go into it saying, I'm going to try it out for a year and see if it works, it's probably not going to succeed. Both a marriage is that way and both moving to Israel is that way. People that come here and they say, you know what, I'll try it out for a year and see if it works. They're not really committed. They're not willing to sacrifice. And usually they're the ones that are on the next plane out of here. But the ones that are committed and say that we're going to be here no matter what, no matter what struggles, no matter how hard it is, whatever it is, we're going to we're going to fight for it because we know that it's important. We know it's the right thing. We know that it's to the, the benefit of ourselves. It's a benefit of the, our nation and it's the benefit of the world for us to be here. So we're going to sacrifice for this commitment. Those are the ones that wind up staying. And I've seen this over and over again over the years. And that is that's really the the. The bottom line, the bottom line is that, yes, there are maybe some things that you may, although I, I'm even hesitant to say that there are some things you can't get here today that you can get into Chutzlars, because years ago that was the case, but today you can pr practically get everything here. Maybe it's a little bit more expensive with the economy in America today. Maybe it's cheaper. I'm not sure. But <laughs> either way, um, there are plenty of things. You can get anything you want here. You just have to come. You have to be committed. You have to be willing to make the sacrifice, and Hashem will help you succeed in your in your mission. Right, uh, you know, I, you know, when when I first made Aliyah, I used to whenever my parents would come, or you know, some other relative would come, or if I would go to the states, I would always have my list, a long list of things that I wanted to bring back. That list is now down to two things. There's only two things that I that I still would love to see here in Israel, which are, which are not here. I'm not going to go into details. It doesn't matter what it is. It's, it's totally silly things, and it makes no difference, and I can live without them. But, uh, you know, that's what, we, that's what we've come to. Uh, thank God we're at the point where you can get anything. You really can get almost anything here, and uh, there's no reason to, to worry about it. I you know, know uh, someone that went back to the States and filled up his suitcase full of baby formula because he heard that there's a shortages in the States, so he felt bad and he decided he's going to bring baby formula to the States. Oh, from Israel to America. Israel to America, right. Ah, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, there is some kind of problem there. You know, you know the, the, other, the other answer to the question that I posed before about what's the connection between Miriam, what, why should the Miraglim have learned anything from Miriam? Miriam spoke about a human being, and they were speaking about uh, rocks and dirt. The answer, the answer is, I saw this in a, in a book called, uh, what was it called? Give me one second. It's a book called uh, Love Thy Neighbor. Very famous book. Love Thy Neighbor by Rabbi Zelig Pliskin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He quotes a Rabbi Yisrael Ordman who says that, of course, there's a big difference between what Miriam did and what the Moragadim did. But there's one similarity, and that is they should Miriam Miriam focused on the one bad thing, which in her eyes was bad about Moshe Rabbeinu, that he separated from his wife, right? And you know, there's not no one's perfect. Nothing is perfect. We have to learn how to ignore the bad and just focus on the good. 
to have a more upbeat type of outlook on things and see the good, have our, you know, have our rosy glasses on and, or see the cup half full as opposed to half empty. And that the Miraglim should have learned. They also should have said, okay, maybe there's some, you know, some hardships here, but you know, look at the big picture, Baruch Hashem. There's so much here, so much good that we could, uh, we could benefit from. Uh, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu was quite a great person. Okay, so he had one flaw, according to Miriam and, and Aharon. Same thing. Eretz Yisrael might not be absolutely perfect. Of course it's not perfect. You know, I always say, if if living in the land of Israel was simple and it was the most successful, it was the place where you could be most successful monetarily, physically, uh, and every in every way, shape, or form, so there'd be no challenge to live in the land of Israel. There has to be a challenge, because God wants to see that we're here for the right reason. You know, everybody would move here because they'd be richer and supposedly happier, um, but that's not why Hashem wants us to live here. Hashem wants us to live here because, and I believe that people who really go, you know, come here for the right reasons will be happier in the long run even if they don't have all the creature comforts that they might have had uh, outside the land. But but Hashem wants to see that we're coming for the right reasons, and therefore it's more difficult. But if you compare it, you know, there always has to be, in my humble opinion, there always has to be a place where it's easier to live. Because then we have to make a choice to come and live here. Um, you know, it used to be... It was hard to live everywhere in the world. The world was not uh, the easiest place to live. You know, they, they didn't have some of the creature comforts that we have today, indoor plumbing and heating and, and air conditioning and everything. It was much more difficult. And and everywhere was difficult. And so was Eretz Yisrael. Nowadays, where there's so many advances, there's so many more comforts that, that human beings have, have created for themselves. But there always has to be some place that's a little bit better than Israel so that we, on a on a, of course, on a physical level, so that a Jew will choose to live in Israel for the right reasons, and not just because it's the easiest place to live. It's true. I, I think that uh, often I get the question where I live on the Mount of Olives and what uh, people <laughs> refer to as the Eastern Eastern Jerusalem. Uh, we have quite a hostile uh, Arab population around us. And people often ask me about the dangers of where I live. And I tell them, I once had a group from Chicago that asked me about the dangers of where I lived. And I told them there were 160 shootings in one weekend in Chicago. I think that's more shootings than we've had in the entire history of the modern state of Israel. For some reason, they thought where I lived was dangerous. But it's a matter of perspective. <laughs> depends on how you're going to look at it. So how that 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 is the whole the whole. Uh, um, the whole problem with the way that the Miraglim, the spies, looked at it. It wasn't that they what they were saying was untrue. It was they were looking at it from the wrong perspective. What they say they they said was true. There were there were giants in the land. And and it, it was scary. But Hashem, if they looked at it from the right perspective, they would have seen that the Hashem put those giants there and made all the death and, and, and the funerals going on at the time, as the Medrash says, in order to so people wouldn't wouldn't be able to find them. They wouldn't look at them. They wouldn't capture them. They wouldn't see that the spies were there. So they, he was, Hashem was doing it as a favor for them. And they looked right. at it from the, from the opposite perspective, that it was something that was bad. So it's always a question of whether you see something from a positive perspective or a negative perspective. It reminds me of when we had our groundbreaking here. I don't know if I have time for the whole story, 
but it was terrible traffic. And the rabbi, the first rabbi they got up at the, the groundbreaking of the of our synagogue here said that he came here in 1954, Rabbi Shalom Gold, to study here. And he said that he there was one traffic light in all of Jerusalem. They used to dream of the day that there would be traffic in Jerusalem. He says, thank God we're living <laughs> in a day and age where we can see traffic in Jerusalem. We'll be right back after these messages. Shalom, I'm Leah Haroni. Join me on my show, News from the Torah. Each Sunday, we'll use the weekly Torah portion as a prism for understanding the news today. Listen to News from the Torah to gain clarity about the times we're living in and to understand your own spiritual path in the process. News from the Torah, every Sunday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back. So, uh, along the lines of what we've been discussing, uh, this past uh, couple of days, maybe it was two, yesterday or two days ago, I was with in the car with a, another young couple from England. And uh, of course, I started off, my, my wife claims that I am a reincarnation of, of the prophets of Ezra and Nehemiah. And that's why I can't, I have an obsession with, uh, with people moving to Eretz Israel. But uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but I definitely have an obsession. And uh, what is clear to me is that whenever I meet somebody that's that lives abroad, I have to broach the subject. Sometimes it's not so comfortable. This was one of those cases because this uh, young couple were were not at all interested in uh, in in hearing what I had to say. What was what I do is one of the things I do on the side. One of the hats that I wear is I give tours of the area of uh, the old city of Yerushalayim and Harazet and the Mount of Olives. And often I tell people that I, the only reason I do these tours is not to, not as much for a Parnassa in order to make money, but just to get people that are from outside the country into a locked car. And then I can, <laughs> I can start to discuss with them the real, the real matter at hand, which is why they're living where they're living and not here. So uh, I, I had this young couple in the car and, and I started speaking to the, to the husband. I said, you know, you live in, in London. Uh, he says, you know, what are you doing there? And, and you know, why are the Jews there? And he says, he says, what do you mean? There are a lot of Jews. They're very comfortable there. We, we have a thriving Jewish community there. It's growing and it's getting better by the day. And we're so excited to be there. We're happy to be there. And, and then he, he basically explained to me in no uncertain terms that he believes that he is doing Ratzon Hashem. He's doing God's will by being in London because that is where he is able to best perform the mitzvot, to perform the commandments. He feels that he, since he's comfortable there, and since he's relaxed there, and since uh, since that is the the environment in which he is finds himself most able, most conducive for doing God's will. So that's the place that he's spoken to rabbis about it, and they affirmed this that this is if that's the place where you can do, best do God's work then that's where you should be. So I was a little bit taken aback by this because I, I think I, I think that uh, probably Rabbi Lichtman agrees with me. 
that the that yep. the place where you could do the, the God's will the best and, and his commandments are here in the land of Israel. So it was a little bit shocking to me that I heard that there are rabbis, I won't call them spies, but there are rabbis outside of Israel that are suggesting that you can do, you can perform God's will and the commandments better outside of Israel than you can within Israel. What do you think? Ay, 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 what do I think? Uh, I have a chapter in my book, A Drop in the Ocean, with over 25 sources from starting from the Chumash itself, the Bible itself, going through various works of uh, what we call Chazal, our sages of blessed memory, meaning Gemara, Midrashim, uh, Zohars, uh, etc., etc., um, through Rishonim and Achronim, earlier authorities and later authorities, that all say the same thing, and that is that one's mitzvah observance in Eretz Yisrael is greater, um, is infinitely greater when done in Eretz Yisrael. This is a story that I think I've, I must have told on this show before, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll repeat it again, that uh, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein says about his Rebbe, Rav Yitzchak Hutner, the Pachad Yitzchak, the Rosh Hashiva of um, Chaim Berlin in Brooklyn, right? Was the Rosh Hashiva, who was also my father's uh, Rebbe. Um, His doctor is the head of the uh, BJJ of the Beis Yaakov uh, Seminary here in Israel. Here in Israel, okay. So he, so he, when he would travel to Israel, even though. As many people know, when you're flying on the plane and you fly over a place where it's time to daven chakras, it's time to pray the morning prayers. So you gotta you gotta put on your tefillin and daven where you are, or else you're gonna miss the time. So he, he would of course do that, and then when he would land, he would put on his tefillin again. And Rav Lichtenstein asked him, Rebbe, why are you doing that? You already put on tefillin when you were on the plane. Why are you putting it on again? He said. Up until now, I wore Chutz La'aretz tefillin. Now I'm wearing Eretz Yisrael tefillin. It's the same pair of tefillin. There's no difference. The only difference is where he was. There is a tremendous difference between a mitzvah done in Eretz Yisrael and one done in Chutz La'aretz. And therefore, even though he already put on tefillin, he wanted to put it on again when he was in the Holy Land of Israel because your mitzvahs are so much greater. It's based on the, the major source of this is is a midrash sifrei, which says that uh, when when it says in the second paragraph of Shema that we read every week, every day, twice a day, uh, it says that Hashem will kick us out of the land, right? If we do avodah if we do idolatry, so Hashem is going to kick us out of the land. And it says, you should put these words on your hearts. You should tie them to your arms and put them between your eyes, which is tefillin. And put it on your doorposts. And the Midrash says, the Midrash is in effect asking the question, and I know that because Rashi brings it on the on the Chomish, and obviously Rashi is, is usually answering a question and an, an implied question in the text. And the implied question is, what's the connection? I'm going to kick you out of the land of Israel. Oh, by the way, put on tefillin and, um, and and put up mezuzot. What's the connection? The connection is that there is a hava amina, there is a thought 
that could come up on someone's mind that now that we're going into exile, so there's no reason to keep the mitzvot because the mitzvot was meant to be kept in the land of Israel. Therefore, the Torah says, no, 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 no. Still do the mitzvot in Chutzarts, even though we're going outside the land of Israel. I still want you to keep the mitzvot. And then the Midrash says the following. It says, and why do we do mitzvot outside the land of Israel? So they will not be new to us when we return. In other words, the only reason we keep mitzvot outside the land of Israel is not because it's meant to be kept there. It's not meant to be kept there. But we have to keep them there. And the only reason is so we won't forget how to do them when we come back. If for the last 2,000 years we would have we would have neglected keeping mitzvot, there would be no Jewish people left. Certainly, if there were Jewish people left, they wouldn't know how to, how to keep Torah and mitzvot. And therefore, we keep them outside the land in order to know and to remember how to do them when the opportunity comes for us to really do them the way they were supposed to be done. And that is in the land of Israel. So yes, it's very shocking that a that a from Jew outside the land from from England, you know, would doesn't know these things. I mean, they're so they're so clear in Chazal and and in all the Gedolim. By the way, what I just said is even the Satmar Rebbe says this. The Satmar Rebbe says that in his humble opinion, there's not a single opinion that disagrees with this. That our mitzvot are greater in Eretz Yisrael. So how come this guy from London doesn't know it? I don't know. What, no what was more shocking to me was that he said that there was the, the rabbinical um, backing to what he was saying, that he went to rabbis, prominent rabbis in London, who who suggested to him that he was doing the right thing by by staying where he was, because that is where the, he can best perform the commandments, the mitzvot. And that, that was even more shocking. The fact that somebody is not knowledgeable, I can I can forgive that. But when you have rabbis that should be should know better. That, they that should be knowledgeable. A, yeah, that should be knowledgeable. That 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 right. is unfair. Look, you said it. You said it before. Um, you, you said it parenthetically, and and I understand it's a very dangerous thing to say, but I I just have to say it. Um, let's remember that the ten Meraglim who who spoke badly about the land of Israel were ten of the greatest leaders of the Jewish people. Just think about it. Who were the other two spies that went into the land of Israel? Yehoshua ben Nun and Kalev ben Yifuneh. Yehoshua ben Nun, for sure, one of the greats of all time. He's the one who took over for Moshe Rabbeinu. That's how great he was. And he was one of the 12. So it doesn't make sense to say that he and Kalev were big tzaddikim and the other 10 were a bunch of lowlifes. Obviously not. If Moshe Rabbeinu is going to pick people to go into the land of Israel, he's going to pick, he's going to pick everyone on the same level, more or less. Big, big, big tzaddikim. And in fact, the Pasuk says, Kulam Anashim, Rashi B'nei Salema. And Rashi says, Anashim means a lashon of, it's a language of, of, of chashivut, of importance, of, of, they were tzaddikim. They were tremendous. They were, the, they were as we would say today, the Gedolei Hador. And they made a very grave mistake when it came to Eretz Yisrael. And there are different answers, different explanations of what their mistake was. And it was, some of them say that their mistake was very from, it was very, it was religiously based. It was like, why should we, it was just like this this uh, guy, this uh, young uh, uh, student uh, said to you in the, in the car, they wanted, they said, why should we leave the Midbar? Why should we leave this unbelievable situation we have now? We live under the clouds of glory. We have Moshe Rabbeinu as our 
leader as our as our Magid Shir, the guy who's telling us, who's teaching us Torah, and there's no one greater than Moshe Rabbeinu to teach us Torah. It's like, why should we want to go into the lands of Israel? We, we can learn so much to- more Torah here and and be closer to God, no? And what is, what is the response? The response is, no, you made a big mistake. Their mistake was religiously motivated, but it was a tremendous mistake that, unfortunately, many great rabbis are continuing to make to this day. Again, I'm not gonna, certainly not going to call, call out names and say you know anybody in particular, but it's something that we have to think about on this week's Parsha, Parsha Tzlach. Mistakes can be making can be made, especially when it comes to the issue of Eretz Yisrael, and it's something we have to be very, very careful about. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. And again, none of you called in. We're we're very disappointed. We would like you, please, next time call in, and uh, we want to hear from you. And you know, hopefully, we'll see you again next week, same time, same channel. See you there. love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dots, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dots from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.